It is such a joy and honor to get to preach from God's Word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, please turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We will be there together for the next few moments. I love that old hymn. I mentioned, mentioned Sarah Groves last week. I believe it was last week in one of her songs, and then... Oksana slips in an arrangement from Sarah Groves this morning with that lovely old hymn. I'll tell you, I write my sermons each week listening to Sarah Groves' playlists. It's just how I do it. So if you know who that is, this is not a commercial for Sarah Groves or her music necessarily, but it is lovely, deep, scriptural songwriting and It blesses me each week as I try to channel what God may be teaching me and what God would have this community to hear Uh, because sermons are just that. They They are set for a time and place for a certain people, for those that are gathered. Uh, It certainly continues to be a, a strange season for us here in the U.S. as we continue to to see folks be sick and choose to stay home. And so if you're at home, as Scott mentioned earlier, and worshiping with us, welcome that you are part of the gathering as well, albeit a little different. But we sure do long for the day when, um, you know, we're, we're all gathered again. And our text this morning is going to talk about a present age versus a future age. And that future age is when we literally will all be together worshiping um, God together in uh, the time when Jesus will have returned to redeem all things. And we certainly look forward to that as well. But now we wait. I am not waiting with fear. I don't know what is the exact right thing to do about masks. I don't hate the CDC at all. I love people. And so I just confess to you this morning that I don't know what we are supposed to do right now. I don't know that anyone does. But you be free to, to do what you need to do, wear a mask, not wear a mask, worship online, worship in this room. We believe we're doing it safely. There's a lot we're still learning. But just don't judge one another. Love one another. As we put in context this morning from Ephesians 2, the love of God that is so rich and pure, let us mirror that as First John 4 reminds us that we are only able to love one another because God first loved us. And in the way that God does love us, the incredible way that God loves us and God's love endures forever, as we read from Psalm 136, we are able to love one another well, albeit imperfectly, but well. And we should strive to do so each and every day. I pray that you get that feeling from me and my family because we do love you. And it is only by God's grace that we can. Ephesians 2. Before we get into the text, today, actually, what time is it? 11.08. 54 minutes ago, 13 years ago, Leslie Ann and I became parents. And I remember it very well. We were at the baby factory known as St. Thomas Midtown. <laughs> and we were so excited. Leslie Ann, had, it was a, her sweet OB doctor whom we love who delivered all 
four of our children and was with Les Land during uh, one miscarriage. Um, he was, uh, he wanted to set it on his timetable. I don't know if he was going out of town on the weekend, but we were going to have the baby on Friday and Les Land was due. So we had the baby on Friday and went in at midnight the night before and the process began. And by 1014, we were parents uh, to James Howell Owen, uh, which was 8808, which was pretty cool. One thing I remember from that is uh, we were living with Leslie's parents at the time, watching the Olympics whenever, wherever they were that year. I think it was in China. And 13 years later, we were living with Leslie's parents, <laughs> watching the Olympics. <laughs> I mentioned that the last couple of weeks, and I do that because it's on my heart and mind, and we are so grateful for them. We love it. It's great, but we're just praying for them and their sanity because we're a lot. But... You know, it was, it was that night, and I'll never forget this. We, it, was, uh, it was an all-night thing. We got, got in at midnight, and so we were there, and, and I was there, and I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And so I probably slept a lot on the couch, and I don't know if I was supposed to be doing that. But if that was bad, I'm sorry, sweetheart. Um, but I do remember going in and out of sleep, and just randomly the Larry King uh, live show was on that night on whatever channel the TV was on. And some of you may know this. I taught high school at the time with a good friend, Jim Chapman, who happens to be a brother of um, Mary Chapman, who's married to Stephen Curtis Chapman. Many of you may listen to his music. And this was a time in their family's life, and, and I was you know, praying through this with Jim because it, it affected them so much. They had lost a child. And they had lost a child in, in a very, very tragic way a few months earlier and they appeared on Larry King's show as a family and it was a tragedy that had happened within their family that affected one of their family members more than you can go read about it but it was it was just devastating but to watch that interview and to see folks who had had the worst year they could have imagined but to still hold firm to the love of God in the way that they spoke about devastation. Can't imagine. Those of you who lost a child, I just can't imagine. Siblings who lose a sibling and living through that, especially at a young age. So you, you, you speak of the grief and the devastation, but then to also have the eternal perspective that they had and were able to demonstrate and proclaim on CNN that night. It was incredible. And it was not long after the tragedy. And so here we are sitting in the hospital room about to what we hoped and prayed would be the most, and it was one of the most wonderful days of our life to bring life into the world. And you're hearing this story about exactly how fragile that life can be and is. And we have to hold that at the same time, right? And it was never more clear in my life that we, that we did. So I want you to hold that this morning and in these next six, seven weeks counting this one as we look at God's characteristics, that what we look at what God is like. Last week we, we looked at God being good. And in that story I just told you, those are the times when it can be most difficult 
to remember, to believe, to hold firm to God being good. This week we're looking at God being loving. And it is, as well, can be difficult to remember, to hold on to God being loving through those very difficult times. Everybody has them. Everybody has them. And we weren't made to go through them together. The Chapmans talked about their family, their church family, and how they would not have been able to endure that devastating time without the people in their lives. So I hope that you know that. I hope that you realize that is what is such a blessing about this gathering, this community, and what God is seeking to do through us uh, together. You know, a couple things about that before we read the text. This is an intergenerational fellowship. I'm so grateful for that. I'm not saying that churches have to be or should be. It happens to be the three churches that I've been a member of in my life have been intergenerational. You know, two weeks ago, I had 85-year-old and a 25-year-old in my office within the same couple of hours. And that is a beautiful thing about what we have here. And I say that today because I, I spent quite a bit of time yesterday with my grandmother on the phone talking with her. And Gran is 85 now. She's probably listening. Hey, Gran. Gran's who I told you doesn't sing well a couple weeks ago. Forgot she was tuning in when I said that. She called me, told me she heard me say that. Uh, we talked yesterday, and, and, and Gran has lived such a full life and, and, and has life to live. She's just in a lot of pain. She's not feeling good. She's, she's, um, and she's sad about that, and it's hard to, uh, to see her not feel well. And in, my, in the context of my conversation with Gran yesterday, we, we talked about the eternal nature of life. We talked about the great news that she knows because she has been born again, because she trusts Jesus as her Lord, that she knows she will live forever. And also the scripture teaches that she will get a new body that doesn't hurt. Amen. But right now she is in the time and place where she is feeling that finite nature of our bodies and what we do experience here on earth. And it hurts. And she's having, trying to maintain a good perspective, but it's hard. And I grieve with my grandmother who has lived up till now such a full life. But I also rejoice that she knows Jesus. And this church is full of people who know Jesus, who are in our, um, our communications department tells me, who are in seven different generations in our world. We have seven different generations represented here in this church. That is so cool and so hard, but more cool. And I am so grateful for each of your testimonies. And the more that we can rub shoulders with one another and learn one another's stories and be a part of each other's lives, the more we will be able to hold firm to what Grant and I talked about yesterday, the eternal nature of our existence, the redemption that is ours, even though we do not know it fully yet. One of the questions that has framed this series or will frame this series, I did not mention this question to you uh, last week, but I would like to this week. A.W. Tozer, pastor, theologian, um, great writer, he, he asked the question one time, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us? What comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us? 
Well, last week I mentioned God and told a couple of stories to illustrate God as this spy in the sky God. And I hope that that resonated with you and you do not have that mindset about God, that God is somewhere up there looking down, seeking to punish or reward based on our behavior, what we know about God as those of us following and being formed by Jesus. What we will remember together very tangibly at the Lord's table in just a few minutes together is that God is personal. God is not a spy in the sky, but God, because of God's great love for us, sent his son Jesus to be with us, to dwell with us, and to die for us so that we might live forever with God. God is not a spy in the sky. So what comes to our mind when we think about God? Well, I hope it's that God is good. God is with us, personal. And that does not manifest itself in any more beautiful or important way than that what we've sung about so far and spoken of, that God is loving, that God is, in God's nature, love. God is love. Let's look at Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 1. My Bible, the CSV, captions this section, 10 verses. We're going to read seven of them. Captions it from death to life. From death to life. Another one of the Bibles I read from this week um, captioned it rebirth. I was in John 3 this week in my personal study time reading about Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus where Jesus tells Nicodemus that one must be born again to see God's kingdom. I loved hearing Sissy explain to the sweet Muslim family who expressed they were born Muslim and characterizing our faith and how it is different, that we are not born Christian, yet we are reborn Christian. In these first four verses here, Paul does a beautiful job of explaining how we are born, and it's not a pretty picture. But it's true, and it's what Christ has rescued us from. So look at these first four verses with me. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of the world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclination, inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. I'll actually stop there right now. We'll get into verse 4 in a moment. Very gripping depiction of who we once were. Maybe you don't follow Christ yet, and this would be a description of who you still are. And that's not fun to talk about. But the good news is we don't have to remain that way. This text brings to mind one of our more familiar stories that I know you're familiar with, but it's the parable of the two sons. Many of you may know it as the parable of the prodigal son. And this, these first three verses do a great job of, of putting into context what was going on in the younger son's life who did take his inheritance prematurely, essentially saying, Father, I wish you were dead, and went away and squandered it and then crawled back. And we all know the story and how it goes that the father runs to the son 
welcomes him home and throws a big party for the son. But it's important to remember the story as a parable of the two sons. And I've told you this often because it's important for me to remember it because so often in my life I fall into the category of the elder son. And the elder son is, is just as prominent a figure in this story. It's the latter part of the story. And, and the elder son rejects what his father has done and, and, and leaves the house and goes outside and sulks, essentially saying, what, why are you doing this? You never celebrate me. I've been with you all this time. I've worked so hard for you, yet you don't celebrate me. Each week as I study and prepare, I have these competing, well, I, I just wonder who's hearing this, you know? Like, are you somebody who's, who's known that story or known this text for as long as you can remember? Does it fall on deaf ears? Do you come in here and think, why is he preaching from Ephesians 2 again? I've heard this sermon so many times. That may be the case. But if that is you, no offense, but praise God that you do know this story, that it does resonate with you. And, and while maybe you don't think about it as often as you should or would like to, it clicks with you and you go, oh, yeah, this is what I believe. This is the truth that I live in. But you know what? Because I'm in that category. I've heard this all my life. I need to be reminded of the gospel. I forget it. I become like the elder son. I forget that I've been delivered from what Paul is speaking of here. I still live in fleshly desires, carrying out devious inclinations. I am still prone to be influenced by the ruler of the power of the air. And left to my own devices, that's where I will stay. Now, maybe you're in here and you don't know this story. Oh, I hope that you are. I believe you have stumbled into the right place to hear it. And maybe you have yet to trust your heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe you have yet to hear this good news that while your heart is hard, your life is broken, that there is redemption it's what Paul wants you to know. This passage is not about you and me first. It's about you and me indirectly. Verse four turns this passage into who it's really about. It's who the whole book of Ephesians is about. It's who Paul's whole ministry was about. It was to lift up and help us understand just who God is. And he says it this way, beginning in verse four, he says, but God. I think he might have spit a little bit when he said that. Got excited. Started shaking his knee like I do when I get excited. It's just the things I imagine about Paul. Because here it turns to the great news. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, that he had for us made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by 
grace. While salvation is not a present reality, folks, it is a future possibility. Please know that this morning. While we are still given to our sinful nature, salvation has been made for us. A path has been provided. It is a future possibility. And it is our job to remind one another of this so that we do not take it for granted. You have been saved by grace. You are saved by grace. It's not fair. It's grace. There's nothing you can do. It's grace. And it is birthed from God's great love for you. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that you are lovable? That's one of the beautiful things about an intergenerational church. We value one another. We, we see each other's stories for generations. We learn about each other's families. I know that I'm lovable because of my grandmother. Her life. The way she's treated me. The way that she has loved me. Taught me that I am lovable. Have you been loved? I hope so because everybody hasn't. Not here on earth. Do you recognize it in your story? Do you see it in stories of those that you rub close shoulders with? It points to the perfect love of God. Rich, pure, deep. What verse 7 says. Six, he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Just read that one more time. So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you, do you, do you know of these immeasurable riches? Do you think about them as you go about your week? Has your life been changed, shaped by this rich mercy and love of God who will never let you go?